Hello and welcome to another VW Podcast. I'm Kevin. I'm Aaron. Aaron, how you doing? Fantastic. This is Office Hours. We are doing a series called Preparing for Funding. Now, this is our fourth podcast in this series. Wait, I thought last week was No, <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, apologize there. I thought we had done two podcasts covering founders agreements. I guess that podcast was just so long. It was just one. It just felt like two podcasts. Yeah. So this is the fourth one in the series. We've got seven total. We did a podcast on incorporation, then one on founders agreements, friends and family investors. And today we're going to talk about pitch decks. What do you think about pitch decks, Aaron? A good one can be great. A bad one can be horrible. That is a fantastic summary of pitch deck. So let's talk about what a pitch deck is and then what makes them great or horrible and then how you use them. So Aaron, when you hear, you know, we get this term thrown around all the time. Pitch deck. I get my pitch deck. I'm working on my pitch deck. I'll send you my pitch deck. What is a pitch deck? A pitch deck is a PowerPoint or I believe the kids these days are using Prezi. Prezi or Keynote. Oh, your yeah. Mac guy. I'm just going to refer to it as a PowerPoint that has handful of slides. Usually it, the, the model is what the problem is, what the solution is, how you're contributing to the solution, competition, team, and then you know usually a any questions slide. Or a slide that shows how much money you're going to make. Right. right? Yes. There's just a line going straight of up course. with dollar signs yeah. on it. So yeah, it's just a summary of what your business is. And as Aaron said, there's a pretty consistent model for what a pitch deck looks like. Pitch decks are getting better they're getting shorter, and that's a good thing. A pitch deck is not a 400-slide business plan, which I think what a lot of people do. And 400 might be an exaggeration, but a 30-slide business plan, I think a lot of people do that. And that is not what you want it to be. A couple of reasons there. One, the people that you're sending your pitch deck to – so first of all, Aaron and I get them all the time, and we get them from prospective clients, right? Yeah. People who aren't yet our client. So, Aaron, what's your thought when someone sends you a pitch deck that's 30 slides long and says, hey, can you take a look at this for me? By the way, I'm not your client, which means I'm not paying you. Uh, No. Right. <laughs> right. So that's hard for us to do. But then when you send your 30-slide deck to a VC, they're not going to invest that much time with it. Right. They want to know that you can catch their eye quickly. And the, the people who send you a 30-slide deck before they're your client are usually people that are asking you to sign an NDA before right. they send that to you. Right. And you've heard us talking about that. But what you can do is put together a nice, concise pitch deck that succinctly states what your business does. Like it, like Aaron said, that you usually want to identify a problem first and discuss discuss how you're going to solve it. But if you can succinctly do that, then that one demonstrates a respect for time for the people that you're sending this pitch deck to, which are generally going to be investors or, or venture capitalists. But even more importantly, it represents your understanding of how to synthesize information into a concise format. If you can take 30 slides of information, which if you were dumped, if you were to dump your business plan into a pitch deck, I could see it taking 20 to 30 slides. If you can do that and turn it into seven to 12 slides, then you've probably cut a lot of the crap. You've been able to combine key points or themes and present something that is concise and clear. A pitch deck isn't supposed to provide all of the information. Right. It's supposed to be something that captures the attention of the person who's looking at it so that they'll come back to you and ask you more questions and then you can have a, a, a longer discussion about it. So how often, Aaron, do we have an investor who calls us and says, hey, I just saw this great pitch deck. I'm ready to write a check. Zero right. times. That that never happens. No. Checks do not get written off of pitch decks. Pitch decks are meant to tease the investor, to show them that this is worth their time. Pitch decks should set up a coffee meeting 
And then a coffee meeting should set up a two-hour meet in your office, introduce me around to your uh, other investment partners, and let's really walk you, walk you through the business. A pitch deck is the Tinder of the startup world. That's you're either right. going to swipe right or That's, you're going to swipe left. That is fantastic. And let's get that on the uh, key tagline for this podcast. A pitch deck is the Tinder of the venture world because you're either going to slide left or slide right. I'm just repeating exactly what you said because it was so great. So just know that the goal in mind is for the pitch deck to get you the next meeting. Okay, so let's talk about what a good pitch deck looks like and then how they're used. So Aaron, you kind of went through the outline and we will link some resources to the outline here, but let me give it to you generally. You got to start with the problem that you're that you're solving. Now, we did this last year, Aaron, when we were going through, uh, when we were reviewing venture deals, we had my mobile 7-Eleven card, right? Yeah. So the idea was a food truck that didn't sell food, but it sell, sold the sundries or the items that you generally buy at a 7-Eleven. And it could go to the uh, parking lot for office buildings like ours and sell this stuff. It's going to show up there every day at a certain point in time. It's actually a good idea because you could go to one office building from 10 to 11 and then you just send me a text message that says, hey, yeah. we're downstairs. Do you need some gum or whatever? We need to run with this thing, man. Let's go. I really like it. So let's say we're building a pitch deck for this. The first slide, usually you'd have an intro slide which says, hey, this isn't Kevin and Aaron's 7-Eleven food truck. There's a picture of your logo. The next slide is identify the problem. The problem is busy professionals are stuck in their office all day and don't have time to get to 7-Eleven, but what if they could? Or the problem is there's not enough, there's not a quick access for most offices don't have a sundry store or a bodega in the bottom floor, right? So identify the problem. Then you identify what the solution is. So the next slide is solution. Well, look, here's our mobile food truck, our mobile 7-Eleven truck. Do we have the rights to say 7-Eleven? I, I don't think 7-Eleven is going to be listening okay. to this podcast. Well, if they are, give us a call. We'll stop. You can send us a cease and desist email. So, or you can sponsor us. Or you can sponsor us. Yeah. More we can build this thing. We'll give you 5% equity 7-Eleven <laughs> in our idea. We'll send you a pitch deck. <laughs> okay. All right. So... The second slide is look, or the next slide is look, here's our solution. Here's how we're solving this problem. Then you generally get into what the market is. And these next three or four slides can be reordered, but what the market is. Hey, look, there's this many office buildings in Dallas and each of these office buildings has this many people. And these people would be willing to spend X amount of dollars at a 7-Eleven and truck like this. Then you might get into what's your business plan, what your revenue model looks like. In this one, this is a, you know, we're just selling goods. It's a business that's selling goods. So you just have a markup on goods. That'd be pretty easy. Maybe some very basic assumptions on what costs. Do you put a full financial model into your pitch deck, Aaron? Absolutely not. No, no one has time for that, right? So you put a few highlights in there. It's not a terrible idea to have your pro formas as an appendix. So if people want to get to it, and I want to make this point about actual uh, pitch meetings in a second, Aaron. As an appendix, fine. If you built it out, great. But don't put it in the first, you know, eight to twelve slides. So then you might have some highlights of what your revenue model looks like, your financials. Then you might talk about what your growth plans are, who's your competition, right? In our case, it's favor. Favor is very expensive if you want to uh, deliver gum. It's getting and driving to Seven Eleven which is very expensive from a time perspective. I'm really selling myself on this idea. Yeah. I'm really liking it. Uh, so, so you have a slide on your competition. Then usually you'll have a slide about the team. The team slide is interesting because everyone has a team and you have to show your team. You have to. But man, don't overdo it with your team. Just because this guy worked at Google does not make this an investable company, right? right. The people who lead off with team, like the team should be a check the box. If you started PayPal, if you're Peter Thiel, yes, I want to see that on the first page of the deck. Other than that, 
No one wants to see us until the very end. These are just check the box. Same things with, with advisors. Yes. If now, if the if your advisor is your next door neighbor who's a retired colonel or let's say general from the army, which is amazing because there's only a handful of them out there, that doesn't move the ball any for selling Seven Eleven. Now, if the VP of strategic acquisitions from Seven Eleven is on your advisory board, that's interesting, right? And I'd like to see that. But you'll have a slide about team. You'll have a couple more slides about what your growth plans might be. We're going to start in Dallas, and then we're going to go to Austin. We're going to go to San Antonio and Houston. And while I have this thought in my mind, don't expand too fast. I see so many startups try like get it right in one place. Get it right in one place first, and then worry about expansion. But that's what your pitch deck would look like. We will have some copies, uh, excuse me, some links to outlines for pitch decks, other great pitch decks like the Airbnb pitch deck, the LinkedIn pitch deck. Those are all public domain. I don't know what version of the Airbnb or LinkedIn pitch deck we we have access to or, or we have links to, but we'll provide those. So that's what the pitch deck should look like. And then let's talk about how is it used. Okay, Aaron. So, you know, we talked about sending this out to attorneys, sending out to VCs. You know, what's the best way to get it in the hands of the right people? Or what are some of the best ways to get it in the hands of the right people? Probably having a warm introduction. That's listen, if you don't have a warm introduction and you really want to get in front of somebody, fine, send a cold email. But if you know somebody who knows that person, have them make an introduction if they feel comfortable. Let's revisit that cold email because you're right. Sometimes you have to do that. But the warm introduction is 100% your best way. So where do you find those warm introductions? Start with your your advisors because if you're going to be giving them equity to be advisors, you want to be able to use them. Just look at your network, lawyers, accountants, insurance people, You know anybody who who might have worked with whoever you're trying to get this pitch deck in front of before, then they might be able to make an introduction. So I agree 100% there. If someone reaches out to me and says, hey, Kevin, I saw you're connected to this person. This is why I want to talk to them. Would you mind making an introduction? Then what I will do is I will reach out to this person and say, someone, I'm not going to tell you who, wants an introduction to you. Do you have five minutes from them? Are you taking Are you taking new meetings? And they'll tell you yes or no, and they'll be respectful of the time. What I don't want to do, what I don't like to see, we've talked about this before, is clients who come to us and say, hey, I need help raising money. Here's my seed pitch deck. Please send it out to people. That's just not how it works. Also, if you reach out to us cold, if we don't represent you, we don't know who you are, you reach out to us and say, hey, I saw you're connected to whoever. Will you put me in touch with them? We might. We might not. And the worst look for you is to get offended or be rude to us if we say we're not going to make that connection or that introduction. Yeah, let's talk about that. So the people that I don't know, you need to find someone else who knows one of us. I mean, Aaron and I are connected to thousands of people on LinkedIn. So find someone who's connected to us and have them make an introduction because you then want an introduction to a second party. This is how the world works. The fact that you're resourceful enough to do that or to figure that out says a lot about you. Understand, it's not the deliverable here. It's the process. Like, can you figure out a way to get connected to XYZ investor? Now, if you're looking for a warm introduction to an investor and you don't have that person in your network and you have searched and you have searched and you have searched, then what you do is you email that person a very concise message or you send them on LinkedIn. You say, hey, unfortunately, I don't have a connection to you. I've been looking for the last two weeks. Would you have five minutes for me to put something in front of you or for a quick phone call so I can explain why a longer meeting might be important or might be uh, relevant or important to you? All right, that's what you do. You're very respectful of their time. I tried. I couldn't find any way that we're connected. Would you mind giving me a few minutes 
to help convince you to take a longer meeting or to review my pitch deck. And if this isn't a good fit for you, I certainly understand. Man, if someone sends me that email, because you know we get them, Aaron, from uh, from students, right? Yeah. From law students or or other attorneys. Nine times out of ten, I don't know, probably ten times out of ten, I'm responding back and saying yes, very respectful. I appreciate that. We were once in that position. You reached out to me, you yeah. know, five years ago and yeah. said, "Hey, I'd like to consider working for your firm. Can we talk? Just a few minutes. That's all." You didn't show up with a pitch deck. You didn't show up and demand an hour of my time. You said, "I will buy you lunch whenever is convenient for you. Can we do that?" So that's how you get the pitch decks in front of people. Now, some other ideas, you can also go get them on AngelList, right? Like AngelList is good because it has active investors, but you need to find a connection to them. Not, hey, I'm raising money. You're rich. Please take a look. It needs to say, I noticed that you invested in these three companies and my company is similar to that. Or I noticed that you are interested in you know, hockey. I played collegiate hockey. We have this connection. Would you be willing to talk to me? Pitch it as a benefit to them, not not just the benefit of you get to invest in my company and I am promising you that you'll make millions of dollars off of your investment. Find some other reason or some other way to connect with them so that they are interested, not just in the possible return they might get, but interested because, like you said, they played hockey. Oh, look, we have that in common or, hey, we grew up in the same small town or something like that. I can't impress enough on you how critical this skill of being able to open up conversation, of having a warm introduction, creating your, your warm introductions, putting yourself in a good position to meet new people, how important this is for any startup founder. And really, anyone can learn how to do this. You really, really can, right? Put together a good email, craft it, send it out to a few people. If you don't get good responses from that email, put together a different one. Work your network Ask for warm introductions. And whenever you go to those meetings and someone does take a meeting with you, ask them, is there anything I could have done better in helping to set up this meeting? And is there anything I can do for you when I leave here? Man, that is a critical one. I love it when people say, is there anything I can do for you? Right. So let's make this reciprocal. Okay. So I want to get back now to the thought of the appendix because sometimes that stuff can be important. So let's, let's imagine, Aaron, you know, you've got your 30 page deck. You've concised it. That's not verb. You have cut it down to, you know, eight to 12 slides. You're doing a pitch. And pitch meetings are different. I mean, you know, we host pitch meetings for the Dallas Angel Network where we've been doing the pitches at seven minutes. I think I even want to push that down to five. Right. Five-minute pitch, 10 minutes of Q&A. The quicker you can get the stuff out there, the better. In my experience, the best pitches are the ones that are just going over high levels of information, just a couple of slides. We want to get this out there, Aaron. Do not put a lot of text on your slides. No. Right? No, no, no. Especially especially if you're presenting live because then people get lost in the text. They're not paying attention to you. If you're doing a pitch competition and you have a deck and then you finish the competition, you finish your presentation and then someone asks a question, man, does it look badass when you say, let me just flip to the slide in the appendix. I've got that question answered for you. Well, and I think that that also goes to your point of taking at least the, the Dallas Angel Network pitch meetings from seven to five minutes. It always looks a little weird to me when you know you have a founder up there that's presenting they finish their presentation and nobody has and there's questions. no questions, right? And and that's simply because the presentation went too long and they didn't tease them enough with you know missing enough information that people want to know more and they're going to ask questions. And so obviously you don't leave out critical pieces of information in your pitch, but make them want to see more so that at the end they have questions and you can answer those and and hopefully start a dialogue. So if you do something like you say our forecasted revenues are this or our forecasted margin our projected profit margin is this. And that's all that's all that's on the slide. That's awesome. That's a talking point. And then as soon as it's done someone says, 
Can you tell me more about those forecasted revenues? Sure. Let's just go down to my appendix here and I've got a pro forma and let me walk you through it. Right. I love it when people are able to answer those things or people say, man, Kevin, it's be really expensive to insure that. You say, actually, I got a quote from an insurer. Let's go to the appendix and I have a copy of that here. Right. That stuff looks awesome. You do not waste time talking about insuring your 7-Eleven vehicle during the pitch, but have that question answered. Okay, to wrap this up, let's talk about the medium for how these things are delivered. Traditionally, they're through email, like right. Aaron uh, talked about putting together a PowerPoint. And a lot of times, just a PDF is fine. Just put them in a PDF so you're not kind of getting into some war between someone who's a Mac user or a PC user. Also, once you send out P- in PDF, then it's w- much more difficult to uh, to alter. But like Aaron, sa- Aaron mentioned earlier, Prezi is becoming real popular. And I like Prezi. I like Prezi a lot. Or people are just sending out links to maybe a web page that just has like eight slides. You just kind of scroll down. I'm 100%. Okay with those things. Couple thoughts on that. One, if you have any information about an offering or an ask, which I would advise you not to do, but if you have any information about an offering and ask, be very, very careful that stuff needs to be password protected. I would not be sending that out to people, right? We are, we always tell our clients, we are comfortable saying we are currently raising money. Please let us know if you'd like to discuss. That's best. Go ahead, Aaron. Do we want to touch on why you don't want to put that? Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. It all goes back to the fun securities regulations, which there are some pretty strict rules around general solicitations. And what that means is you can't put on your Facebook page, hey, I'm raising money for my company. Here's the percentage I'm selling. Here's how much I'm looking for. There's actually one way you can do that. Well, yeah. Now. Yeah. Now you can do a general solicitation offering, but that offering has to be limited to accredited investors only. That's correct. So, And it has to be through a crowdfunding portal. And that's a whole nother conversation, but continue down the path there. But so anyway, you just want to make sure that you don't accidentally run afoul of securities regulations. Unfortunately, the SEC and the State Securities Board do not view ignorance as a defense to running afoul of those laws. So just make sure that your pitch or however you're presenting this information, if it is on a publicly accessible medium, you have the password protected. Agree 100%. The The rules are super stringent. You've heard me say it before. I'm not crazy about them, but the law is the law. We can't do anything about it. So no public offering information. Now, if a VC says, send me your deck and your ask, then fine, put it in there, put it in the email. But if you're just forwarding it out to random people, I think it's okay to say, interested investors, please contact us here, but no more information just to be on the safe side. Right. Again, no one's going to write you a check off of it. Exactly. And leave it more vague so that they have a reason to follow up with you. Yeah. Right. Set another meeting. Who knows? Maybe, maybe in the time that you first create this pitch deck until people start to write you checks, maybe something miraculous happened and your valuation has now doubled. You don't want to have it in the pitch deck early on because then it's going to make it a lot harder to change your valuation. I would say C rounds are typically lasting from when you are ready to start raising money to when you close it, probably six to nine months. Yep. Right. And there's a great chance that your initial pitch deck, you know, when you first started the uh, the process, you've changed your valuation somehow. So another good point. All right. That wraps up the pitch decks podcast. Again, this is the office hours preparing for funding series. We have three left in the series, Aaron. Next week, we're going to talk about initial investors. Now we talked about friends and family investors last week. So uh, let's rephrase that as initial angel investors or really just initial sophisticated investors. We'll do that next week. Then the week after that, we'll talk about accelerators and incubators. Uh, We've got some real hot sports opinions on that one. And then finally, closing your seed round. The intent here is to make sure that you are ready to go out and raise a seed round. And then you raise a good seed round, then you'll be ready for an A round. All right, in closing, 
Email us with any thoughts, questions, or comments at podcast at VelaWoodLaw.com. Again, that's podcasts at VelaWoodLaw.com. I mentioned during the show, you can find show notes in the iTunes episode description. There's a link at the bottom or go to our website and look at the blog where this podcast is listed. We have defined terms. They link to adventureglossary.com. We have related content and then more information on the blog that is found at VelaWoodLaw.com. And finally, do not forget, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. This is the Office Hours podcast. Five stars only, please. Thank you. The Velawood podcasts are recorded in our Dallas office in Mockingbird Station. You can find all of our podcasts, including Office Hours, Three Things, and Silicon Valley Review on the iTunes Store. For questions, comments, or suggestions, email us at podcasts at